good morning. And isn't that our testimony collectively? Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord, unto, unto me. Amen. Welcome to the Alamo City Streaming family this morning. And we bless you in the name that is above every other name. Would you speak his name with me? The name Jesus. Let's say it one more time. The name Jesus. The name Jesus. If you don't know how to pray, just speak that name. If you don't know what to ask for, just speak that name. If you're happy, just speak that name. If you need your broken heart mended, Speak that name, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, amen, amen. I want you to take your Bible, please, and find the gospel of Matthew, and Matthew chapter 9. I want to give you one short sentence that has been working in my heart for the last several days. It was working in my heart before we here in San Antonio got the latest uh, call from our leadership to be careful in what you do, that stay close to home as best you can, wear your mask, wash your hands, um, don't be in large groups, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We hear that news and we hear so much of it these days that it, it can be it can be concerning, it can be worrisome, it can create some fear. Here is the verse, or not a verse necessarily, though it's a theme taken from many places in Scripture, but here's, here's the phrase that has been working in my heart this last week. Jesus will make a way. Jesus will make a way. It's, it's time for the, for the veterans, the veteran followers of Jesus to take the field. This, this is the time for folks who, who know what it is to face an impossibility, to face something that's confusing, to be finding yourself in the middle of something that you have no idea how you got there, and no idea how you're going to get out. But as you're in that place, that statement begins to rise up in your spirit. Jesus will make a way. And you can look back over your life, and you can identify, you can go back to places in your journal or places in your memory file where you found yourself in a place like that time and time again, only to have it just written across your heart each and every time, Jesus will make a way. Jesus will make a way. Sometimes as parents, we can feel like we need to not tell our children everything that we're going through, that we want to protect them, we want to cover them, we want to keep them away from the news or the events of things that sadness 
confuses, frightens. I, I want to just encourage, and this is, this is a dad. This is a dad partnering with the mom of our three. And I believe we could just say to you, some of the richest times you'll ever have as a family will be when those times come and, and as a dad, you're, you're not sure what to do next. Or as a, as a mom and dad, sadness has hit you and, and something has happened and it grieves your heart. Some of the richest times that you'll ever have with your children is to call a family meeting and let your guard down let them see inside you only to hear, let them hear you say, but Jesus will make a way. Jesus will make a way. In, in their world, in, in what is real time in their lives, where they, they're, they're, they're looking at mom, they're looking at dad, they're listening, they're, and then they find that mom and dad are not superhuman. They're they're, they're normal in many ways, and they have places of weakness, and they have places where they can be hurt. But to hear them say, somebody they know, some, somebody that they would trust, somebody has been down the road farther than they have, to be able to say, looking them in the eye, and maybe through the tears in the parent's eyes, but that statement of confidence and that statement of hope and trust but Jesus will make a way. Sometimes a wife needs to say that to her husband, but Jesus will make a way. Sometimes the husband to the wife, sometimes a, a, a friend to a friend, a brother to a brother, a sister to a sister, but Jesus will make a way. Why can we say that? Why, why is that a truth? Jesus will make a way. Here's one reason. Because he's a shepherd. Because he's a shepherd. And he understands as a shepherd, sheep don't necessarily know where to go next. They don't know what to do next. They don't know how to, res know how to rescue themselves or figure out the next events in an orderly fashion that will end them up at the right desired end. But he's a shepherd. Jesus is a shepherd. Let me read you this verse. Follow along. It's actually just a couple of verses in Matthew chapter 9, <clears throat> verse 35. And Jesus was going about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness and seeing the multitude he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd like sheep Without a shepherd was this throng of people that Jesus was looking into the faces of and watching and listening to, knowing that they were distressed and they were downcast. 
Distressed carries with it the idea of being overwhelmed. The, the pressure so great that the sheep would have a tendency to scatter. Downcast meaning under the weight of something. Jesus saw people like that, and instead of being frustrated with them, instead of saying, look, you have the Bible, you've got the Old Testament, just live it. He didn't do that. He felt compassion. He felt compassion for them. He felt compassion for them. He felt that they were like sheep without a shepherd. Folks, with all the news, and with the news as recently as yesterday here in San Antonio that our COVID-19 positive cases are more than they've ever been diagnosed in one single day, that, that hospital beds are being filled up and, and available ventilators and so forth, limited space to a degree, all, all the things that we hear. I, I get concerned for the people of God that if we're not careful, we, we can end up falling into the place of carrying on and carrying ourselves like we are sheep without a shepherd. If you've opened your heart up and received Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you are not an orphan. You are not without a shepherd. Jesus Christ would say, I am the good shepherd, and I lay my life down for the sheep, and I know my sheep. I know where they are, I know what they like. I know how they're wired. I know what they need. Leave, leave Matthew 9 and, and go with me over to the Gospel of John. A few pages to the right. Gospel of John, chapter 10. Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 7. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture, safe pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they, the sheep, might have life and might have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He was a hireling and not a shepherd who is not the owner of the sheep. Beholds the wolf coming and leaves the sheep. And the wolf and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. And he flees because he's a hireling and is not concerned about the sheep. But I'm the good shepherd. And I know my own, and my own know me. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. That's speaking of not just something academically, intellectually, not just along the lines of facts that can be listed and subpointed. 
This has to do with, and the, the use of this specific word by Jesus means experiential knowledge. I know them because I watch them. I know them because I'm with them. I know them because I've spent time with them, and they know me like that too. They know me because they've experienced me, and they do experience me, and I am their shepherd, and I know them, and they know me. Hallelujah. Church, church, brothers and sisters in Jesus, we are not sheep without a shepherd. We don't have to live these days worried about what's going to come next or afraid of what could be happening lurking just around the corner. We have a shepherd. What's a shepherd supposed to do? Three things. He's supposed to supply the sheep with his presence. He's supposed to supply the sheep with their protection. And he is supposed to supply the sheep with their provision. If you have a shepherd whose presence you're experiencing, whose protection you can count on, and whose provision you have lived in the joy of for these days of your life, then you don't have to be, no matter what the news is, you don't have to be wandering around like a sheep without a shepherd. Amen? All right, now let's just keep going on this. The Lord's not through with us on this theme of I'm the shepherd. You're my sheep. You can trust me. I will take care of you. He continues, I am the, verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, my own know me, even as the Father knows me. And I know the Father. And I laid down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep which are not of this fold, not of this Jewish fold. I must bring them also, the Gentiles, those outside the reach of the Jewish background and tradition and nationality. I must bring them also, thank God. That includes us, most all of us in this room. And they shall hear my voice, and they shall become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I laid down my life that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, his speaking of his life that would be laid down, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, hallelujah, and I have authority to take it up again. Hello, Easter, the day of resurrection, the Lord's day, this commandment I received from my Father. And look at verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they shall never perish and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. Let me read that one more time. And no one or no thing shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. I've got a hold of my sheep, and the Father's got a hold of my hand. And the sheep's in the middle of that double whammy grip. And there's nobody, there's no thing that can snatch what I've got a hold of, that my father's got a hold of, out of either of our hands. You're not a sheep without a shepherd. You're not a sheep without a shepherd. You're not a sheep without a protector. 
You're not a sheep without a, without a shepherd whose presence you can look forward to experiencing and walk in. And you're not a sheep without a shepherd who won't provide for you. Well, just so you'll know and be reminded and be encouraged that this matter of shepherd and sheep, the Lord being the shepherd and us being the sheep who put our trust in him, our faith in him, is a theme throughout the scripture. I want you to go back to a, to a, a passage of scripture that's probably the most famous of all the writings of David in the Psalms, Psalm number 23. Find that if you would, Psalm 23. What does David say as he begins? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not lack for anything that I truly need. Because the Lord is my shepherd and he provides for me and he protects me and he causes me to know his presence. Now, a, a number of folks who study the life of David and the seasons of the writings of the Psalms, the, the, thing, the ones that he wrote, attach this psalm to the period in David's life when he was being hunted like a dog by Saul, whose place he would eventually take. David, as a young man, he had killed Goliath with the help of the Lord. He had, he had been used mightily in a number of ways to lead the armies of Saul, lead the armies of Israel in various things, and then all of a sudden Saul turned on him and began to try to take him out as a competitor and have him put to death. So David was, was run out of the country. He had to flee his family. He had to flee leaving his, his young wife, his first wife, who was Saul's daughter. And when Saul turned on him, everything changed for David. He didn't have a place of safety. He, he, didn't, he didn't have a, a, a building or a structure he could call his own. He was continually on the run, continually having to trust the Lord for what he would eat, what he would drink, and safety through the night and through the day. It's in that place that many believe, and during that time in David's life, that he wrote this, Psalm 23. Saul may be the king, but the Lord is my shepherd. And because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I, I have, he, he didn't have much, but he had everything he needed. Can anybody say, I've been through seasons like that. It didn't look like much, and I didn't know how far it was going to go. But the Lord caused it to last. The Lord let it stretch. The Lord brought in some more just when it looked like I had taken my last bite out of that bowl. More came in. The Lord is my shepherd. And here's what I can say. I have no want. I have no need. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He spoke of that with regard to the future, not just the present. But his confidence was because the Lord was his shepherd, the Lord was going to keep taking care of him. That, that the Lord wouldn't, wasn't going to forget how to take care of him or get distracted on other sheep and forget about him. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And then he says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures he leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He brings back my soul. Mind, emotion, and will, the soul. 
when my mind is fractured, when my soul is sad, when my will is weary, the Lord knows how to bring back fresh strength to my mind, my emotion, and will. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness. He'll help me. He'll set before me the right ways to walk. He sets before me choices that please him and honor him, and his example is to be out in front of me in the making of those choices. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Look at verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Now here comes a theme. We're going to hit on this a little bit this morning. It's no big deal that after you have passed the valley of the shadow of death, you praise the Lord or that you're, 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 full, of, you're full of satisfied hope, com- completed, your faith has become sight because you're the other side of the valley of the shadow of death. You don't need Jesus in your life to do that. Somebody who's never been born again When the empirical data of life, when the circumstances shift in the direction of solution and completion and peace, then anybody can look at the solution and say, thank you, Lord, that was a good thing. The trick is, the difference is, having rest and peace and a settledness in your soul when you are still walking under the shadow of death. Not after you have passed to the other side, but while you are middle in the middle of the test, in the middle of the threat, in the middle of the storm, facing that which could take you out, but even in that time and at that place, for there to be the rising up inside you, the sense of knowing Jesus will make a way. He's done it before for me. I'm standing in another situation just like before in many ways, and Jesus will make a way. Here's what I'm trying to say, folks. We end up running around being scared of everything when we focus just on what the news is reporting. And we have this steady diet of all the reports and all the prognostications and all of the forecasts and all of those things that can come around. Not saying that we shouldn't be aware of what's going on around us, but if the result of of a steady diet of dismal information, the result of that can be a darkness, a sadness, a, a gloom in your heart. And it's at that very place, just like David, the valley of the shadow of death. It may have been that he was walking just within bowshot, if you will, of ones who wanted to kill him. But instead of being terrified, instead of being paralyzed, he said, I, I, I have no fear. Why? Because my shepherd is here. My shepherd, he, he's not just a fair weather shepherd. He, he's not just where everything is smooth and easy and all figured out. He knows about the valley of the shadow of death. He knows about the dark places. He knows about the lonely places. He knows about the points of arrows and spears and swords. 
It's in that place, my brother, my sister, when you find rising up in you a faith that doesn't make sense, a hope that doesn't make sense, a kind of joy and almost an exhilaration that I'm here one more time, I'm in a mess, I'm in deep weeds, but I'm telling you the Lord is here. The Lord is here. And where he is, he isn't going down. Where he is, victory always comes. Where he is, there is life and not death. Where he is, there is a future and a hope. The whole point is, it's the sense of the presence of the shepherd. No matter if you're under the, in the valley of the shadow of death or not, that's, that has no power to hold you. When there is the sense of the presence of the shepherd. That's what we've been harping on and on for all these months of two prayers that can change everything. One is, Jesus, save me. And the other is, Jesus, fill me. Jesus, save me, yes, from my sins that I've committed. That's what you did on the cross. I receive your death for me and your mercy for me expressed in your shed blood. I praise you that I've been forgiven. But, Lord, since that happened in my life, that's not the last time that I've needed to be rescued. That's not the last time that I needed to be saved. You're not going to change his name. His name is always going to be Jesus. Jesus. You know what that name means? It means Savior. It means Rescuer. It means one who has the power, the ability, and the heart to deliver you. So we, we lose, we miss so much when we just say, well, I've known him as my Savior, as if that's about the things before Jesus. No, no, my brother, you're going to need him to save you, rescue you from something before the sun sets tomorrow afternoon. If we will open our hearts to the fact that he's not just a religious architecture Jesus. He's not just a Sunday in the church house Jesus. He is a Jesus who knows his sheep. That means he knows where you work. That means he knows who you work with. That means he knows what you got to deal with at work or at home or in, in relationships. He knows you as his sheep, and he wants you to know him in the power, faithfully, regularly, to rescue you. Not just way back yonder, when, when we turned over and when the Lord changed us and we were saved, but on a Monday basis, on a Tuesday basis, on a Wednesday basis, Jesus saved me. Jesus, rescue me. Jesus, save me. You don't go to work by yourself. You, you don't have lunch just by yourself. You, you don't raise your kids just by yourself. You don't have relationships just by yourself as if it's used as a standalone entity. Where you are, he is. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, and my sheep hear my voice when I speak to them, and they follow me. Can you believe it? that there are some ways that he already has in mind for you to follow him tomorrow down through the crevices, the file folders, the text messages, the emails, the, the meetings you're going to be into. What if there is a way that he really wants you to sense that he will lead you as your shepherd through those steps that you'll be taking, the steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in their way. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. The shepherd. The shepherd. He continues. Here. Let's just keep on going with verse 5 there. Thou dost 
Prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou hast anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. <laughs> oh, I got to camp out on this just one short second here. Give me, give me a minute. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Will follow me. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. I'm catching hell right now. I'm, I'm, I'm going through the ringer right now. But here's what I know about my shepherd. Surely goodness is going to follow me. And mercy is going to come behind me. I may be in the thick of a fight now. I may be in a place of difficulty and loneliness and whatever now. But here's what I know about my shepherd. He's good. He's full of kindness. And because he is leading me, whether I can see it or not right now, here's what I know is going to happen. Goodness and loving kindness is going to be following me all the days of my life. Folks, when you get that working in your heart, you are not like a sheep that has no shepherd. Whether things make sense to you on the outside and, and, and up front, it won't It won't dominate you. It won't, it won't consume you like if you don't have a shepherd whose relationship you know you're in and whose heart you know you can trust. Again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't take seriously what's going on around us and the protocols that, that we're given to follow, the mask and the hand washing and, and the various things that we are being told to do. But there's a difference between being motivated by fear and being motivated by wisdom. We need to be wise sheep, harmless as dove, wise as a serpent, you know, harmless as a dove. So we need to follow the instruction. But there's a difference between that and being so scared, so terrified that we're paralyzed. That's an indicator that somewhere as a child of God, we've lost the sense of the presence of our shepherd. Because here's the deal. Jesus isn't scared. Jesus isn't worried. Jesus isn't doubting the outcome. Jesus is wondering when is this all going, isn't worrying, when is this all going to, to end up? He already knows. He's fully at peace. He's settled and solid and confident in the outcome. And folks, listen, as we pray, Jesus, fill me. Jesus, fill me. That's the residue of his spirit that will be filling us. We won't be marked by fear and hesitation and the threat of something awful all the time. There'll be the sense of the presence of Jesus. Here's a question. Is Jesus scared? No. Is Jesus worried? No. Is Jesus concerned that he would be overwhelmed by the size of the challenge of the virus? Absolutely not. Not like sheep without a shepherd. So here, here's, here's, can I just throw this out there? I, you know, you may want to throw it back at me. I, that's, I, it's okay. I, I've gotten good at dodging a little bit. How much time have you spent in minutes, just a guess, listening to or watching the news this last week? Don't say that out loud because I'm going to ask a second question. And I put myself in this category. We, we can be so curious. We, we can be so drawn. It's so easily accept, accessible. 
to be drawn to the news and the reporting? How many minutes there? And then how many minutes listening to the voice of the shepherd here? So, so we, 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 we spend... We spend 45 minutes, an hour, maybe two hours, maybe more than that, a day consuming the reports, the media's news reports. And we have spent maybe a fraction, if that much, saying, Lord, as my shepherd, you who don't report the news, you make the news. What do you have to say? What do you want my heart to focus on? What do you want me to believe you for? How can I praise you in the middle of all of this and my trust for you be that which marks my life? You know, there goes another truster in Jesus right there. There goes somebody else who's got their eyes on the Lord. You wear your mask, you wash your hands, you do the social distancing, you do the stuff. But your life, the inside, the who you are is not marked by a cataclysmic paralysis within your spirit. You are free. You are free, and you are, your hope is alive. Why? Because it's all about you? No, because it's all about your shepherd who has promised to take care of you. Now, leave, leave that. Leave Psalm 23. Find Psalm 27. I just want to, this is so good. David, again, writing. He's writing not when the battle was over. He's writing when the battle is at hand. Again, you don't have to be a Christian to celebrate after the battle is won. You can do that naturally. The supernatural part is when the Spirit of God so raises up within you hope when it makes no sense to have hope. You say, well, I know all the verses on hope. Well, are you walking in hope? It's a function of the power of the Spirit to turn the Word of the Lord into confidence within us that we can trust him and we can be at peace. Psalm 27, verse 1. David writes, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Why? Because the Lord is his shepherd. The Lord has assumed that role in David's life, and David has has accepted that role in his life. Let me read it again. Now, let's read it in the light of COVID. Let's read it in the light of a war of germs or disease. The Lord is my light and my salvation, my deliverance, my rescue. Whom shall I fear? Since the Lord is my deliverer, who or what? should I ever be afraid of? Because everything that has a name has to bow before the name of Jesus Christ. His name, he is the Lord of all, the King of kings. Everything that has a a name has to bow before. So why, David is saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. Men are not going to be the ultimate cause of my demise. They don't have that power. Disease, he'll say in Psalm 103, he heals all your diseases. Disease is not going to have the final say because the Lord is your shepherd. The Lord is the one who is the defense of your life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, when germs 
came upon me to try to devour my flesh. My adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. Do you see? It's not after the war is over. It's talking about war, conflict that is at hand or is in the future. I'm just saying, folks, that can be the difference between a Jesus sheep and a religious goat. A religious goat knows all the stuff, knows how knows where the, 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 the architecture is and know where the different settings are and may be able to navigate some places in the Scripture. But a Jesus sheep is someone who is hearing the voice of the shepherd and someone who is sensing the presence of the shepherd and who on the basis of those two things is able to step out into what in the natural realm may be an uncertain and an unsettled future, but this Jesus sheep is walking with confidence because he's doing or she's doing as best she can, he can, what Jesus said in the first place, follow me, follow me, follow me, and trust me. I'm the shepherd. You're the sheep. I want you to know my presence. I want you to sense my protection. I want you to know that your provision will be handled by me. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war rise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. One thing I have asked from the Lord, I want you to follow this carefully, please. One thing I've asked from the Lord, that I shall seek. One thing as war is about to break out for him. He's not asking for Egyptian mercenaries to come in and help him defend places, you know, to maintain the kingdom. He's now the king. It's not that he's wanting better battle plans. He said, there's one thing I've asked from the Lord and that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble... He will conceal me, hide me in his dwelling place, in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He'll lift me up on a rock. And now my heart, now my heart or my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Verse 8, when thou didst say, seek my face. My heart said to thee, thy face, O Lord, I shall seek. This just jumps off the page. The Lord didn't give David battle plans. The Lord didn't, didn't give him troop movements in this season of the pending war. What did the Lord do? The Lord said to David, oh, listen. The Lord said to David, seek my face. Seek my face face. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 37, 4. David is learning it. David is understood, is understanding that that which is the most vital in the heart of a child of God is that longing to sense the presence of the Lord, to sense the felt presence of the Lord. Seek my face means to seek my presence. 
You, you, can't, you can't seek somebody's face and do it from 200 miles away. It's talking about entering into the actual presence of the person. So David is saying, I've learned this, that when war is arrayed against me, when there's a, there are a billion germs that are trying to destroy my life, the thing and the first place I need to go to and be is in the presence of the Lord, to sense the presence of the Lord, and I hear him calling me into that place. And as I enter into the felt place of my shepherd, then there is a subtleness in my heart that he's going to take care of me. He's going to make a way. Jesus will make a way. Oh, no, just leave, leave there and, and go all the way over to the book of Hebrews, if you would. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. Let me start reading Hebrews 2, 14. Then we'll go back to Psalms. Since then, the children share in flesh and blood... He himself, Jesus, likewise also partook of the same, human flesh and blood, that through death, through Jesus' death, he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. When Jesus went to the cross, carrying your sins and my sins in his body when he died on the cross, he was paying the legal requirement that the law of God established regarding sin. The wages of sin is death. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Jesus, as the Lamb of God, took upon himself the sins of the whole world, yours and mine in particular, and he went to the cross and he died. And as he died, he took out of Satan's hand, Satan, the perfect consummate legalist who will try to use the law of God against God and against the people of God. And in this case, it was they've sinned. There, there's no forgiveness for that sin up until the time of Jesus on the cross. Ultimately, for the sins of the whole world, the Jewish people would find forgiveness as they, they put their faith and trust in the, the lambs that would be slain and their blood poured out on the altar, they could receive it. But not the whole world. Jesus, as John would say, John the baptizer would say, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is a very, very, very vital understanding for the Christian. Satan has now lost his authority legally to own you to determine the outcome for your life, to, to decree uh, what, where you are to be and what you are to do. Jesus, when he went to the cross and his blood was poured out and he paid that debt, he paid your legal debt, that meant that Satan lost his power to control you, to keep you, to say, that one's one of mine. And the blood of Jesus rises up to say, no, that one is one of mine. So we put our faith and we trust and our trust in, the, in what Jesus did for us on the cross. That, that means that, that Satan, who had the power of death, has been robbed of that power. In Revelation 1, Jesus holds in his hand now the keys of death and of hell. But then he goes on to say, and that he might deliver those who through fear of death were subject to slavery 
all their lives. Who, who, that you might deliver those who through fear of dying, through fear of death, were subject to slavery all their lives. If, if, you, if you read the background as to how some of the, the reports are being given, the, the, the facts and the, the actual calculations may be one thing, but there can be this, this, other, this other theme that can come through the voices, which makes it sound like, oh, we can't, we, we, the worst thing that could happen would be for somebody to die. The worst thing to happen would be for there to be loss of physical life. Well, absolutely in the sense of no one, we want no one to die. We want no one to be killed. We want no one to be murdered. We want no one to be taken by disease. But the truth of the matter is, it can be the fear of dying that causes a person to live in slavery because of the fear of death. When Jesus died on the cross and was raised again on the third day on Easter Sunday, it was proof that physical death need not be final for the human race. That through faith in Jesus Christ, there can be forgiveness of the sins, but even when someone dies, Jesus would say, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live again. In some ways, in many ways, the greatest blessing that can ever come to a Christian is when your heart beats the last time and your eyes close in this life for the last time and the next second you open your eyes and the scripture is true to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And you open your eyes and you see your Savior. And you see the gleaming look in his eye and the joyous smile on his face. And you look and you see the ones around him. And it's those who have gone on before you. Those you haven't seen maybe for decades. Those that you, when you saw them, they were weak or they were old or they were hurt. But now they're whole. They're well. There's nothing of sin that has marked their lives. They're free. They're full. They're joyful. And you're there forever too. I've lost the fear of death. So one of the ways that the shepherd has of delivering us and making provision for us is that he has the ability to deliver us from the fear of death. No matter where all death is going to come to all of us unless Jesus comes first and, and we don't know when that's going to be. But here's the deal. If, 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 you're, if your EMS ride to glory is COVID-19, if your EMS ride or my EMS ride would be a car accident or some kind of a, some kind of a sickness or disease, it's where we're going that is the great part. That this is just a vehicle. It's just temporary. Now, we, we want to pray, Lord, nobody before their time. No, nobody be taken before their time. Death, the death of the saints are precious in the sight of the Lord. The day of your birth is every bit as specific according to Psalm 139 as is the day of your death. And Satan can't interrupt that because he doesn't hold the keys to death and hell anymore. Jesus holds the keys to death and hell. So we pray, Lord, spare our lives until we've lived the full extent. As your days are, so shall your strength be. Amen. That, that's the heart. That, and it's the long of the passage in Jude that, that we, would, we would prosper and be in good health 
even as our souls prosper. That we have the right to pray in that way and to look forward in that way. But when you are sensing the presence of your shepherd, then it doesn't matter whether it's now or whether it's later. The shepherd has got you. The shepherd's holding you, and he's infinitely good, and he knows you, and he knows how to bless you, and he knows how to keep you. Okay, but we live in this, this, this earth, and we, we have this, this treasure in an earthen vessel. I want to close with this. I want you to find Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always, always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Can can I just say that one more time? Rejoice in the Lord always. That means not just when your prayers have been answered, not just when COVID-19 is gone from the face of the earth. Always rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because the Lord is not dependent upon the absence or presence of earthly situations and conditions to determine how much in charge he is and how how loving he is. Paul would say, you rejoice in the Lord always. And he says, and again, I'm going to tell you, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Okay, folks, sheep without a shepherd don't know how to rejoice when they're getting bad news. Sheep with a shepherd should be marked by rejoicing instead of whining, instead of fear, instead of anger, instead of what's next. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? How are we going to handle this? What's going to come next? Our lives are to be marked as the spirit of Jesus is alive in us by rejoicing and confidence and trust in him. Yes, 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 there can be seasons when the flesh rises up. And the flesh wants us to go pull our hair out and go crazy and go nuts, go dig a hole somewhere and just wait till it all passes over. But if we start calling that God and we start calling those reactions the Spirit instead of recognizing them for what they are, the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Now, when the flesh rises up and starts, starts trying to throw things at us and unsettle us. Here's here's what Paul says after he said rejoice. Verse 6, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Now let this come right out of, you know, 60 AD or whenever Paul wrote it, all these centuries, and let that statement, be anxious for nothing, settle down in your heart, in your mind this morning. And if we see these commandments in the New Testament in particular, not as just bars so high we can never reach, but if we see the commandments as promises, as promises, he would not make the commandment if there wasn't also the power to enable us to meet the commandment. On our own, we can't say, I'll never be anxious. But in the power of the spirit of the living Christ, he can conquer the places of deepest anxiety and bring about his peace in exchange. Be anxious for nothing. What part of nothing do we not understand? 
I have permission to be anxious about this because the numbers are such. I have permission to be anxious about that because, because it's just so impossible. So morbid. Be anxious for nothing. Let the word be the word. Let the word be the call to greater freedom. Let the word not be the statement that you can't ever do this and it's impossible. It won't work for you. No. In the name of Jesus, by the power of his spirit working inside you, you can live according to the word of God. That's why Jesus said, I'm sending you the helper, the helper who will be me in my resurrected power, my invisible presence inside you to help you. Well, Lord, I'm not doing real well with this absence of anxiety this morning. I need a helper. Instead of you staring at your navel, yanking on your eyebrows, why can't I do this? Why can't I do this? Why can't I do this? You'll never be able to do it. As soon as we give up on ourselves and our self-discipline and our, our willpower, we just assume that's not ever going to be strong enough. So, Lord, if it's ever going to change inside me, you're going to have to come help me. If this anxiety is ever going to be calmed, it'll be by the power of your spirit doing it in me, not just me trying harder or quoting verses of Scripture or being around other Christian friends. If you don't help me, I am without help, which Jesus will say, apart from me, you can do nothing. All right, let me keep, I need to finish here. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. You know what this is? This is sheep talking to their shepherd. You ready to be a sheep? You ready to be a sheep? If you're ready to be a sheep, then it means that you step into that place of realizing that's what I am. Sheep are pretty dumb. Sheep can be pretty hard-headed. Sheep can be pretty nearsighted. Sheep have to be led. Sheep have to be protected. Sometimes we get to thinking, I can handle this, I can handle this, I can handle this. And it's amazing how long it takes some folks following that guide, I can do this, I can do this, just a little more information, I can do this, only to realize years into the Christian life, it's been the same repetitive error four million times. You and I will never be able to live the life of Jesus in this life apart from the power of his spirit. So if we're going to, if we're going to walk in this place of, of not having these anxious places, we got to do what he says do. The anxious places are there for the purpose of turning needs into specific prayer requests. Lord, this is what I need for you to do. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. With prayer and supplication. Prayer is the general term for prayer. Supplication, folks, and this is so freeing that, this, that the Lord is saying, this is how I want you to do it. Supplication means taking a category and breaking it apart, dissecting it, parsing it, declining it, getting all the things that are related to that place that causes you to be anxious when the subject comes up. Break it down and keep putting it before the Lord. Keep giving it to him. Keep giving it to him. The present tense is here. Let your askings, that's a present active participle, let your askings, your continual askings be made known to the Lord. 
And here's what happens. He says, as you do that, the peace of God, the peace of God, the God's peace, which passes all understanding, will move into your heart and your mind will occupy in a, in a military sense, setting up a base of operations, permanent facility, if you will. Guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Sheep have permission to talk to the shepherd. And they're given permission to pour out everything that makes us anxious. But folks, here's what we've got to quit doing. We stare at the news and we glance at Jesus. That's got to be turned around. We stare at Jesus and we glance at the news, fixing our eyes on Jesus. How are we going to run this race, this, this conflict that is set before us, Hebrews 12, by fixing our eyes on Jesus? He's not worried. He's not sweating it. He's not scared. He hasn't run out of resources. He would expect us to walk and act wisely in this life. Yes. But his spirit is going to be a spirit of hope and peace and not scared of everything. Now may the God of hope fill you up with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You're not going to get that hope from a steady diet of current analyses of current events around here. It's not wrong for us to understand the times and know what Israel ought to do. But what we need is not more understanding. We need more transformation. We, 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 need, we need more of the work of the Spirit inside us settling us down. I can just tell you, you're a cultural misfit in this day and time if you're not carrying yourself around like you're scared of your shadow. That you can't, I don't know, what, what, what can we do? What can we do? Here's what we do. Mask up. Wash hands. Do the things that the shepherd tells you not to do and to do. But follow hard after Jesus. This is a season for the Spirit of the Lord to break out through the church. And that where the rest of the world may be freaking out, the church is rejoicing. Jesus will make a way to say that to somebody. That's all worried. That's all. Jesus will make a way. How do you know Jesus will make you a way? Well, let me just take you back through my life. Walk with me back through some of the seasons in my life when I didn't know how that baby was going to walk. I didn't know how that job was going to come through. I didn't know how I was going to pay that bill. I came through a sad time in my life where I was walked out on by friends. But Jesus made a way. Jesus made a way. It's time for the veterans to take the field. It's time for the veteran followers of Jesus to ascend the platform, ascend the stage, and be able to say, I tell you, they overcame him. They overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and that they love their lives not even unto death because they lost the fear of death by the power of Christ's Spirit setting them free. Amen. 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 Oh, let me go. Here's where we're going to stop. But do you know him? 
Do you know Jesus as your shepherd? Have you ever opened your heart up to receive Jesus into your heart as your Savior and Lord? Folks, I'm, I don't know how to explain this, but this is, this is the truth, I believe. You get changed. You get set free. Joy begins to rise up in your heart instead of whatever else may have been there when the sense of the presence of Jesus moves into your life. Christ in you, Paul would write, is our hope of glory. You open your heart. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That, that was the instruction. So call upon his name. Call out, Jesus. Jesus, save me. Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, save me. You, you may not have all the, all the things figured out and all the, everything on the right shelf in your understanding. That's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that you pick up that name and you cry out that name, Jesus, save me. And Jesus, fill me. He will. You say, how will I know? You'll know. How do you know when you're cold? You just know. How do you know when you're hot? You just, you just know. How will I know when the creator of the universe moves into my heart and begins to fill me up with his strength and his life and his joy and his peace? You just know. And it becomes a radical transformation. The old things, if any man or woman is in Christ, the old things passed away, and all things have become new. The new, the free, the joy, the hope. Lord, thank you for the time this day. Thank you for the patience and the attentiveness and the open hearts of brothers and sisters, even though I can't see all of them today. I just sense that. I sense the amens in your spirit, by your spirit with them. And Thank you for letting us have this time together. Will you bring into the replays of this time together all those around the globe whom you want to hear what you're saying in your word about your sheep, you as the shepherd, and our confidence that you will make a way for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being a part of the Alamo City Streaming family one more Sunday. God bless you. Amen.